Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is October 25th, 2013, Friday, and today our reading from the big book, and we are of Alcoholics Anonymous, excuse me, and we are at page 103, paragraph 1. Today's readers are Margaret K., actually, excuse me, Lisa Renee, 12 Steps, WW, 12 Traditions. Our readers, Katie G., Helena, Kim G., and hoodie. The reference number for yesterday, October 24th, Thursday, is 5355. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's Step Tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the people who still suffer from compulsive overeating. Excuse me. Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask, Lisa Renee to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Lisa Renee from South Jersey. Grateful, grateful, grateful to be in recovery today. Step one We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power 
to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Lisa Renee. I will now ask Debbie W. to read the 12 Traditions. Press star one. You hear me? I can. Good morning. Okay, good morning. This is Deb W. in Oklahoma, recovered compulsive eater who's grateful. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has the one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, OA, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, W. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 103, starting with paragraph one, we are careful never to show. And I will ask Katie G to begin reading. 
Thank you, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Boston, Mass. Privileged to be here absent and sober this morning. We are careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution. Experience shows that such an attitude is not helpful to anyone. Every new alcoholic looks for this spirit among us and is immensely relieved when he finds we are not witch burners. A spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics whose lives could have been saved had it not been for such stupidity. We would not even do the case of temperate drinking any good, for not one drinker in a thousand likes to be told anything about alcohol by one who hates it. Excuse me, and I'm grateful to be here Friday morning. Good Friday to everyone, and what a great paragraph to read. Um, we are careful never to show intolerance or hatred for eating as an institution. So food is not my problem. It is not my problem that there are restaurants and that there are, you know, wholesale clubs that sell bulk food. It's not my problem that, you know, we live in a society that, you know, is filled with food. This is not my problem. And having intolerance or hatred for restaurants, there's not a whole lot of responsibility being taken there if I'm saying, well, you know, it's their fault that there is restaurants on every street corner and that there are grocery stores and, you know, that's the problem. If there were not grocery stores, if there were not restaurants, if there weren't food advertisements, you know, what have, what have we learned? We're on page 103. You know, I have an allergy of my body and I have a disease of my mind, right, and I cannot stop from starting, you know, I have a mind that tells me that food is going to fix it, and I have an allergy in my body that prevents me from stopping once I put that food in my mouth. But the main problem is in my brain telling me that food is a solution, that food is going to fix it, that, you know, it's somebody else's problem. So, you know, blaming food as an institution is not going to work, and also, you know, this looking for witch burners. I remember coming into OA and, you know, being afraid. People, like, I, I, was, I was persecuting myself enough, right, thinking, of, you know, I was such a bad person. I was such an immoral person because of all the things that I did, eating at night, you know, eating, um, you know, waking up in the middle of the night with half-chewed food in my mouth and continuing to eat, that there was something that, you know, and, and during my um, fourth and fifth step, you know, when I when I told my sponsor, she wasn't out there witch-burning me. You know, she was not, uh, and there was a lot of relief to get acceptance from other people. Um, and I just, you know, when I add this last line, for not one drinker in a thousand likes to be told anything by alcohol by one who hates it, look, you know, the book has already told me other people are not supposed to change their behavior for me. I don't go home for Thanksgiving and say, hey, Bonnie, to my stepmom, can you not make pies? Because pies are really poisonous because they have flour and sugar in them and that sets up the uncontrollable craving for more. No, that's not, you know, this is adult Katie. This is recovered Katie. There's food on the table. Some of the food I will eat, some of the food I will not eat. And I hope that my family and, you know, I ask them to continue to enjoy whatever food that they have in front of them and to not change their behaviors for me. That is the extreme sign of selfishness to say, hey, you know what, 
I'm in recovery now. Everybody else changed their behaviors. There's no, there's no God in that, you know. And to be helpful is my, uh, you know, I, I need to be helpful. And the experience shows that such an attitude is not helpful to anyone. Well, my primary purpose is to help others today and to be of maximum service to God and others. And if I am so focused on other people, blaming them, number one, asking people to change their behaviors for me, number two, I'm not being helpful. I'm not being a primary, serving my primary purpose today. And, and that's what I want to do, right? Like I want to have good judgment, take responsibility for myself, and be of maximum service to God. And, um, and that's, my, that's my primary purpose. So if you're new and you're just checking this out, there are 11 and a half steps that we've taken to get to this point. So if it seems overwhelming, it's all right. There's a lot that has to happen first, the most importantly of which is putting the food down and having a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. Thanks for starting us out. Who's next? Who would like to share on this particular paragraph? Helena. Helena and then Rose. Thank you. Katie. Good morning. Yeah, good Katie. morning. Good morning. It's Helena from South Jersey. Um, I'm glad this is at the end of this chapter when we're very close to summarizing. Um, we are careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution. Why? Because our goal is to be helpful, and this attitude does not help. We are told already on page 94, how we are to speak to people. Our talk is to be sane, quiet, and full of human understanding, and not to worry if someone does not come round to what we have been trying to tell them. We're doing this for our own salvation. We're doing this to ensure our own recovery. And I have found, I think probably all of us have, that showing intolerance or hatred of anything does not help does not help persuade someone so i have to look very carefully at where i show a spirit of intolerance do i show a spirit of intolerance to oa meetings do i speak of that in our meetings do i remember that oa saved my life 33 years ago and that i needed to learn more than i learned initially in the rooms but it did save my life for 30 some years do I have a spirit of intolerance to any medical procedures, you know, bypass surgeries? I've heard that talked about in meetings. We don't need to discuss that at all. Um, that's really a medical thing that needs to be discussed with your doctor. Spirit of intolerance for anything. And I tend to be intolerant about many things. That's what I came up with in my fourth step inventory. Um, and it's not any good for anyone if... Uh, if I don't eat sugar or flour, I'm very hesitant to tell people this because very often the reaction is uh, they pull back a little and someone might even say, oh, I know I shouldn't be eating sugar either. And I'm not trying to tell them what they should or should not do. It's just something that I really need to keep examining myself for my own spirit of intolerance. Pass. Thank you, Helena. Rose? Thank you, Melanie. Um, this is Rose, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And um, <clears throat> this paragraph, well, where it says a spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics whose lives could have been saved 
had it not been for such stupidity. And um, I always love the choice of words in every paragraph in this book because they're um, truly inspired um, to, and were given to Bill Wilson to put here for me to read for my um, my maintenance in continued growth in my own spiritual experience in order to be of maximum service to others. And summing up this chapter of working with others, it's so power-packed for me. On a personal level, um, what has happened to me in my own recovery from compulsive overeating, um, part of my work when I took my third step was to read pages 84 to 88. And on 84 in step 10, I remember when I first read it, uh, being uh, new with it, the um, love and tolerance of others is our code, is the sentence. And I needed to kind of um, write that on my forehead because it bounced off me thinking, how in the world is this going to happen? But it gradually, um, it does happen as the result of um, working all the steps prior to step 10. And then it culminates here um, talking in this paragraph so much about intolerance, that it's an absolute repellent to any um, suffering and sick uh, food addict, compulsive overeater who I might be around. And on a more personal level, um, I do a lot of care of my grandchildren, and uh, including birthday parties and being there with my son-in-law and my daughter. And um, and for well over a year now, my own recovery has been a um, uh, physical example without my saying anything much about how or that type of thing. And they both love Mexican foods, and usually birthdays are all kinds of stuff. And my son-in-law likes to cook. My daughter's a big cook. And the biggest thing I've been able to do is, uh, one, keep my mouth shut, but be above and beyond that, it's love and tolerance of others is our code, our mode of living. Um, even being able to engage in conversations with my son-in-law about um, how he makes it and how his mother did it and all kinds of things. And w- what has been very clear to me is that I, I repre- I'm the big book walking around. I represent what God has given me in my life. But God is the doer, and there is nothing he can do through me if I've got a gesture, a look on my face, anything coming out of my mouth with words, criticizing or expressing, you know, if he didn't eat that, whatever, he could be thinner. That obviously is totally um, not allowed. But, you know, the word spirit here is, is throughout the whole book a spirit of intolerance. Therefore, the spirit of tolerance is needed. And that spirit, when I woke up this morning, I was thinking, the thought came to me that I am God's agent. I'm his agent. It talks about it earlier. And I'm his uh, channel. I'm the one who reflects what this program has done for me. And, um, and that, this is, this this is where the rubber hits the road of this program for me, where I carry it um, in everything. I carry it in everything and never 
It says there are there is a never, 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 never to criticize uh, a sick and suffering uh, potential person for this program by my attitude towards them. And only with God's help can I carry that out. And one day at a time, that is possible. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Rose. Katie, Katie F., you're up next. Good morning. This is Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Um, this this paragraph, you know, we don't go around uh, judging and criticizing what people are eating. And, you know, it's hard sometimes when someone has been abstinent and uh, and then you see them and they're not abstinent anymore. Or, you know, but I, I've, I've been around for a long time and I've 12-stepped a lot of people. And so, you know, what I have found is that they are much more uncomfortable about this situation than I am. And as long as I just keep my um, nose to my own uh, business, it's not a problem. Um, because as other people have shared, you know, we are not um, we are not the judges of the world. And, you know, I've had people that, um, you know, want to uh, criticize or if I tell them that I don't eat sugar, you know, then they'll they'll get want to get into a debate with me about the fact that I eat fruit, which you know is sugar. I mean, it's just not it's natural or whatever. So I just get a, I just stay away from all of that stuff. Um, I really just am totally neutral with my food and neutral with what other people are doing. Um, So, I'm sorry, I had something come up. With, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Katie. Who else would like to share on this particular paragraph? This is Kim. This is Paula. May I share? Hi, Kim. You'll be first and Paula next. Thanks, Melanie. A spirit, I'm sorry, my name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. A spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics whose lives could have been saved had it not been for such stupidity. And that's pretty strong language there that Bill's using. And, and the prior shares have talked a lot about how we don't do that to people outside of OA. But gosh, don't we do that to people inside of OA? You know, we have a lot of factions in OA, a lot of different subsets, I guess you would call it. And you know, aren't we intolerant of those subsets? You know, I sponsor people who work all type of programs. They might be in HAL, they might be in 90 Day, they might be in GSA. And who am I to judge how they work their food? You know, because HAL with the big book is recovery. HAL without the big book is a diet. 90 Day with the big book is recovery. 90 Day without the big book is a diet. So who are not to show intolerance for these for people who choose to work their food or choose to work a specific form of, a, of an OA program, for us to judge those people and say, unless you do it like me, I cannot help you. That's stupidity. We need to support each other in how we work our food. We need to support each other on how we work this program. But the most important thing is 
do we want to be? Are we following these clear-cut directions? Absolutely. We have to put the food down first, and that's going to be different for everybody because we have to make sure that we are addressing our own specific allergy foods, our own specific allergies behaviors. But once we address that, the solution is the same. The solution is walking through this big book. So for me to show intolerance of other, how other people do that is stupidity. Because we are here, we are united on one purpose. And that one purpose is a spiritual awakening sufficient to bring about recovery. So for us to show intolerance means that other people aren't going to be able to get this message. So I'm going to read it one more time. A spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics whose lives who could have been saved had it not been for such stupidity. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Paula? Thank you, Melanie. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. I do say thank you again, Melanie, for your service. We are careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution. Oh, you say you just repeated that, Paula. It needs repeating. We are not careful, and we must be. We must remember what our primary purpose is, and it says experience shows that such an attitude. Ooh, you ever hear about that? Change that attitude. And that I did. It's not helpful to anyone. All through the book, you'll find the word help, help, help. All through the meetings. All who you meet, help, help, help. You need to listen to the call to lend strength or means toward affecting a purpose, to aid, to relieve. That's what we're there for. And I I just want to go back just for a moment to page nine. Ebby, the door opened and he stood there, fresh skin and glowing. There was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different what had happened. Do you know the part that I think is the most amazing part? But he did no ranting. Bill was waiting for him to rant. Don't we all? Let me show you. Let me guide you. Not even in that tone, nor in the attitude. Let me walk alongside you. Let me share with you my experience. But he did no ranting. I just think this this first two lines starts it for me. What message do I carry? I was there. If the tables were turned, you know, I was there. When they talk about the rolling eyes, honey, I rolled my eyes with the best of them. Until the awakening happened. And be very clear here, awakening. Each day I awaken to more of what my primary purpose is. How do I carry the message? Thank you again for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Anybody else would like to share on this program? This is Sharon in Colorado. Hi, come on. Hi, good morning, Sharon. Hi, Melanie. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, I just wanted to share, and I wanted to 
say hello to everyone out on the line. Um, this is the second time that I'm going through this uh, Vision for You meeting phone line. And um, it has just uh, opened up my heart and my mind to the truth. And I had received these truths in um, another 12-step program. And at that point, my life was in total shambles. And um, I never thought that that's where I would find God would be in a room with a bunch of uh, other uh, alcoholics. Um, but I did, and that was the beginning of this road to recovery. And then when I began my journey in OA in 1981, I had had so many blessings and so many miracles take place as a result of working these steps. But it really wasn't OA that was uh, hindering me. It was my own unwillingness to accept to the core of my being that I also had this other addiction to certain food substances and that as long as I continued to try and uh, convince myself that I could uh, have them and somehow manage them, um, I struggled and I um, did not stay stopped. So um, I am grateful, so grateful to the principles and the traditions of this program because they truly do work when we when we work them. And um, as a result of being around the rooms for so many years, I have met so many people who have recovered and people who have struggled like myself. But today I'm just grateful that God continues to develop in me. Um, I mean, this whole program is based on love and um, this um, ability to uh, let you know there is a solution and you can be set free and live free by God's power. And so that's what he's doing in my life when I, when I finally decided that I would not uh, mess around with this anymore and do what needed to be done. And I have seen the results. So I just want to encourage everyone out there on the line that this truly works and it is a little more... Um, well, because we do have to eat, you know, we do have to find some, some form of food. But we, I knew to the core of my being for many, many years what my substances were that were uh, hindering me. But I was not willing to let go of them. So I just encourage everyone out on the line. Uh, there is such freedom. And, um, you know, the whole process and the principles are just rooted in God's power to give that to us, his love to give that to us and his amazing faithfulness to us uh, until we are willing to receive that gift. And that's all I have to say, and I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. And this is Melanie, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Before we move on, I wanted to just um, mention that this particular paragraph speaks to me of humility and how important it is for me to keep that foremost in my mind and that it also triggers several of my character traits that are not necessarily helpful for me and haven't been. Before I even considered a 12-step program, we used to use that slogan in our household when somebody was on some sort of campaign or champion a cause um, that no one, no one likes a reformed drunk. And we just used that without even considering it being a 12-step issue, you know, a disease issue, because it, it just, you know, it wasn't very long before I was there, or in fact, in our in our minds, it would usually be around some sort of diet or whatever. Gosh, we've gotten recovered, or not being recovered, but gosh, we've gotten this diet and this plan and lost all my weight, and you know, everybody should go my way as we've you know exhausted in our sharing today. But it really um, 
speaks about evangelism and um, look at me, look at me, look at me now in terms of reading this particular sentence for me. Uh, no one likes a reformed drunk. See, on, on, uh, on the side of humility, Melanie is what it's sharing with me here in this point. And with that, I'd like to move on now to the next paragraph. And Helena, would you get us going on that? This is Helena. Someday, we hope that Alcoholics Anonymous will help the public to a better realization of the gravity of the alcoholic problem. But we shall be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness or hostility. Drinkers will not stand for it. I'd like to share uh, briefly on that, keeping an eye on my three-minute allotment. Um, it seems to me that this second-to-last paragraph and the paragraph before are really saying the same thing. Yes, we realize that people are dying. We want to help them. And what is the best way to help them? We must have said over and over already in this meeting an attitude of humility. We're not to rant. We're not to go on and on about this is what I did and this is what you must do. The whole chapter has told us. Start out by finding out about the person that you're trying to reach. Why? So you can jump on them and point out all their uh, sins and what they're doing wrong? No. So that you can see how you would like to be approached if you were that person. And then it even tells us, don't start out by telling them how you got better. Wait till they ask you. We're not here. Uh, it says, don't start as a performer or an evangelist. It says, no matter what your own convictions about God, don't push those on someone else. No matter what your own convictions are about anything, your goal is to be helpful. Your goal is not to lecture. My goal is to have an attitude that has not a little tinge of bitterness or humility or hostility, but has a lot of human understanding and humility. Um, so this little paragraph, right at the end of this chapter, is helping us to realize what this whole chapter is about, a the gravity of the alcoholic problem. And we hope that we can make a dent, not just with one person, but in the whole world. And yet, we must have humility, human understanding, and tread with much care. Pass. Thank you, Helena. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? This is Sally. Hi, Leah. Sally. Good morning. Oh, and then Good Leah. Good morning. Um, well, so it does appear to me that these two paragraphs go so nicely together because, again, they're talking here again about our attitude. It says here in the middle of this paragraph that we just read, we shall be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness or hostility. Drinkers will not stand for it. When I read it, I think to myself, Bingers will not stand for it. And I'm, I'm really, um, I have to look at the motivation that would go behind such attitudes of, you know, with, it says one of bitterness or hostility. And what it says to me is, in the past, oh, before I was recovered and when it was just about putting the food down, I would be very resentful. I mean, I may as well have had that on my, resentful, my resentment list, step four. Um, of my resentment list that I can't eat that anymore and I'll be damned if I'm going to watch you eat it. <laughs> that was my resentment. I was bitter. I was hostile. Um, a spirit of intolerance, it was the motivation of my spirit of intolerance was 
I can't eat that anymore, and I want you to know why, too, because misery loves company. And so I, when I see these two paragraphs, I, there's a part of me that chuckles and says, wow, that was really who I was when it was just about putting the food down. Now it's not just about putting the food down anymore. Now the gravity of my disease and understanding um, the reality that I have an allergy in my body and that I have this mental a blind spot, as we learned on page 24 and page 42, and that I live with this, and that there are people walking around who can be 350 pounds and do not have what I have. They just don't know how to eat and just need a diet. There are people like that. I've seen them. I've seen them lose their weight in Weight Watchers and and go on into the sunset with their weight loss. So therefore, I know in my heart, not everybody has what I have just because they're overweight. Um, So when I look at the spirit of intolerance that's spoken of here, and when it talks about our attitude, and especially when it comes down here into the bottom here of the page and it says, when it's talking about an attitude of bitterness and hostility, I am reminded that I don't do that anymore. I want them to be happy. If they're having a party and food is their joy, I want them to have that joy, and, and I won't say a word about it, and I will enjoy my piece of fruit. And um, and they know that. You know, my family at my birthday, they give me a piece of watermelon with a candle in it. And that's my happy joy that they share and they sing happy birthday to me with a piece of watermelon with a candle in it. And um, thanks for letting me share with that I pass. Thank you, Sally. Leah, you're next. Thank you so much, Melanie, for your service. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Someday we hope that Alcoholics Anonymous will help the public to a better realization of the gravity of the alcoholic problem, but we shall be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness or hostility. Um, obviously, these pa- these pages were penned in 1939, and uh, today's Friday, October 25th, uh, 2013, uh, something worked. <laughs> These men and women came forward with a program of recovery. Um, they had something to offer. That was that uh, they had recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. The obsession of the mind has been, had been expelled, um, and they were now living as happy, whole, useful, humble men and women. Um, this was a program of attraction, not promotion. They didn't cram it down people's throats. They uh, they threw out a program of recovery, letting people know um, that there was a way out, a way out of the shackles, a way out of bondage of the disease of alcoholism, something that had never been accomplished before. Um, but they did it with grace, and they did it with love, and they did it with tolerance, um, so much so and they were such a bridge to the world that you'll notice, you know, in the back of our big books um, that there are medical views because they became friends with the men of medicine, the men who stood by these alcoholics um, who were um, bewildered and limited um, to help these alcoholics. They became friends of AA, as well as the religious clergy um, of all uh elements of religion became friends of AA. How was this possible? Why was this possible? Um, It was possible because AA 
built a bridge. It wasn't forcing its me- its message down anybody's throat. It didn't come across as holier than thou. It didn't come across as the only way. It didn't come across as a monopoly. It came across as we have recovered as as uh, only possible through the cooperation of God's grace. And because of that gratitude, we are now coming forward with a message. And that spiritual chain reaction that grew from Ebby and Bill to Dr. Bob in Akron way back when has stretched to countless alcoholics in, in cultures as diverse as imaginable. I mean, uh, AA is now, uh, these 12 steps are, are throughout 180 countries, I believe, around the globe. Um, it's This 12-step method has been adapted by fellowships of people recovering from all kinds of addictions and all kinds of compulsive compulsive behaviors and, um, you know, all kinds of uh, variety of uh, process addiction. So, um, you know, this was done as a bridge. It was done out of love. It was done out of gratitude. There's two kinds of gratitude. The sudden kind we feel for what we take and the larger kind we feel for what we give. This is what we do. We give back, and we give back with love and patience and tolerance and human understanding and kindness. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to share this? This is Bella. Good morning, Bella. Yes. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recover compulsive overeater. I like this paragraph because it's a paragraph with a hope, and it, it's, I, will, I will pay attention to the sentence, a better realization of the gravity of the alcoholic problem. It brings me to understand what is all about this program. Before the program, we knew that the problem is the food. If you, if you eat the food, so you, you are gaining weight, and you, you will be heavy, and if you don't take the food, you will lose weight, and everything is the willpower, and it's you, 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 or me. Now that, thank God, thank God I am in the program, the program teaches us that what is the alcoholic problem, what is the compulsive overeater, it's not only the physical, it's the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual, and they are all connected, and when we know that emotional and spiritual are connected to our compulsive overeater, we cannot have the same attitude. We have to change the attitude. We cannot go with bitterness, with spiritual, it it doesn't go together. I know that we are powerless. We are powerless and we need God. We need the power of God. And God is love and soft and secure. So we have to change the attitude if we want to accomplish, if we want to help people and ourselves. This is the first thing. This is the first step. Change your attitude because the problem is the emotional and the spiritual, and we have an allergy in the body and obsession in the mind. Yes, part of the, our disease is the mind, it's the emotion, and spiritual goes with happiness, with, with feel 
comfortable with respect ourselves. And when we let God come into our life, we automatically change our attitude. And if we are be there, it's a very big question mark, where is our spiritual? And when we let God into our life, we are secure and safe, and then we can help ourselves and others. Thank you very much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Start one if you'd like to. Okay, then we'll move on to the next paragraph. And Kim, would you start us in on that one? Thanks, Melanie. After all, our problems were of our own making. Bottles were only a symptom. Besides, we have stopped fighting anything or anyone. We have to. Exclamation point. Um, good morning again, everyone. You know, we have to. Exclamation point. You know, as much as I love this program, as much as I love getting up every morning and, and starting my day with a vision for you, I also understand I have to. I am forced to work this program because I am a compulsive overeater. You know, back on page 59, before they introduce these steps, it says, here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. And we have worked that word suggested that we is everything is suggested. Being abstinent is suggested. Taking the inventory is suggested. Doing a step 10 is suggested. The book isn't saying that. The book prior to page 59 is, if you've come to that conclusion that you're powerless, that you have this hour to the body which will never change and will condemn you to keep binging and eating because that feeling that you get will only intensify. It will never satisfy. And if you have this obsession of the mind, that is going to doom you to go back to the food, regardless of how long you're abstinent, then you're powerless. And if you are powerless, in step two, we come to that conclusion that we need a power. That's all step two is. I need a power. Lack of power is my dilemma. I need to find a power. And that propels us to make a decision to seek that power. You know, on page 60, where they have the ABCs, if we read in a lot of meetings, that God could and would if he were sought. Step three is that decision to seek that power. So if that is our problem, they're suggesting we try this program of recovery. And if we do, then we have to. I am forced to do this. And the miracle is, because of being forced to do this, I have a a world, I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. I am happier than I even knew was possible. I am more joyous than I ever thought I was possible. And I am more free than I ever thought I was possible. But I never, underneath that is the earnest seriousness of the fact that I have to do this. Because if I stop doing this program and that chatter in my mind gets louder and louder, I will pick up. And if I pick up, I will die. So the bottom line is that last line, we have to, explanation point. And with that, I pass. 
Thank you, Kim. Would anyone Hello? like to share on this paragraph? Hello. Hello. Good morning. Who's this? Hi. Hi. Good morning, everyone. This is Tippy, a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, everyone on the line, and thank you for your service, Melanie. Besides, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. We have to. Um, Being recovered, I've come to understand how my thinking and my how my thinking led me into anything, uh, into everything, into the food. Sorry, I remember hearing on the line, "All action is born in thought," and I had no. I had no thoughts when I went into the food. It was like an automatic thing. I had a magnetic field around my right hand, and it just went straight into the food. I didn't even realize why. So um, now being recovered, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. Um, The spiritual awakening is when we realize that everybody and everything is God, Everything that happens to us, we have to accept. And anything that happens to us, we have to accept. We can't fight it. When we turn everything over to God and accept everything, that's our spiritual awakening. That's our realization that it's not our thinking. We have to align ourselves with God, and that's where the freedom is. And um, life still goes on after recovery, People, you know, there are good things that happen. There are, it doesn't happen my way anymore. I'm not running the show when I realize that everything and anything is God showing me which road to take and I accept it and I'm in, then I'm recovered. And I thank you for this new way of thinking. Have a great day. Thank you, Tippy. Would anyone else like to share on this program? Well, this is Melanie, and I will um, add a couple of ideas and thoughts that I have here, too. The first line for me reminds me of step four, and you know we are clearly beyond that here. After all, our problems were of our own making. I found that as a result of going through um, my fourth step, how um, I was the one that started things happening, how I started the ball rolling, and that was quite an interesting thing, and then that's what separated this idea. The um, Somebody was mentioning it yesterday, the... Um, the ick from the food, the ick from the alcohol, that, that the grave part of my disease is the second part of step one. And in that, learned that a huge amount of humility needed to stay in my life if I were going to continue in this method of recovery. Um, it was not going to do for me. Um, but I think the most important part of this particular um, paragraph for me is we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. And that's a daily, daily bit for me. And that comes up for me almost daily because it's easy for me to step in and in light of the first two paragraphs here when I'm talking with somebody to um, try to urge them and guide them or be so passionate about the, the plan of recovery here in these 12 steps it happened to a person like me that 
and if it's not, you know, readily received, that I, you know, I get back in there and, and move some more, move some more, move some more. And that's just in that instance. But anything else that comes up in my day, I have stopped fighting anything or anyone. Let the day, as, as, as the previous chair was talking about, let the day and the higher power within that, let the whole movement unfold. And then I get a chance to watch what happens inside me when somebody wants to do something one way or the other or has a different, um, um, I guess, this way of being and what happens within me in places which I can still continue to check. And with that, I will pass and give anybody else another chance maybe to share on this particular paragraph before we move on to summarizing this particular chapter. Who else would like to share? this can I share? Yes. Yes, I hear I hear Bella, and I hear Paula, and I think I heard a third person. Meg. Oh, I did. Hi, Meg. So it'll be Bella first, Paula, and then Meg. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overreader. Thank you, Melanie, for leading this meeting, and thank you, everybody, that is on the line. Um, Besides, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. And this is a, a helpful for us how we can change our attitude that we discussed before in the before paragraph. When we fight, there is no that everybody is a winner or everybody is a loser. When we fight, somebody is a winner and somebody is a loser. And before the program, we, f- we, we fight with everything, with everybody. And we wanted all the time to be the winner because we were very much selfish and we wanted everything our own way. And when things didn't go our way, we came to think, oh, we are a loser. And then when we ran to the food, now we have to change attitude. How we can change attitude when we stop fighting? We know we are human and we don't have the control and we are powerless. We have God. He is the power greater than ourselves, so we don't have to fight. There is no loser or winner. God is here for us, and he always wants it should be the best for us. So I accept and admit that I am powerless, and I need the power of God. This is the power of loving and caring, and this is the spiritual awakening. So I don't have to fight. I am not looking here to be the winner, to prove all the time. There is no fighting. There is love and care. And thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Paula, you're next. Uh, May I reposition myself and go after Beg, if that would be all right? Yes, thank you. And I was just looking. We may run out of time, too, Paula, if that's okay with you. I'll keep that in mind as well. That's fine. Thank you. Meg, you're up next. Hello. Thank you. This is Meg, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Vermont. I love this, these words, to stop fighting. What a relief to not have to fight anymore. I thought that uh, my whole life was fighting myself and others. My whole life was fighting for what I wanted, what I needed to get what what I deserved. 
But now I am not fighting anything or anyone. And the words that come to mind here are submit and surrender. And a lot of people may think, oh, submit and surrender, what terrible words. And they are, they can be, if you're submitting and surrendering to the wrong thing. I was submitting to food. I was surrendering to food. And my life was in shambles. And I was fighting everything else. But if I submit and surrender to God, it brings a peace and a joy that is indescribable. And where does my will come into this? Because when you think of submit and surrender, I think, does that mean that my entire will has to be crushed and pounded to a pulp? Does that mean that I will just be like a robot or or some sort of brain-dead zombie who just follows whatever anyone tells? No, no, that's not what it means. My will is something that God gave me for a reason. And when I stop fighting, I am taking my will and I am bringing it into alignment with God's will. And I no longer have to fight. I can just relax and take it easy. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Meg. And Paula, we do have a couple of minutes time. Would Would you like to share next? Well, thank you, and I will take it. After all, our problems were of our own making. I never saw that, our own making. But as I read line from line and I saw myself, bottles were only a symbol, but it was a huge symbol, a huge symbol that took so much of my life. Now I've been giving it back. But look at what it says here. Besides, I love that word, besides. We have stopped fighting anybody or anything. Now I have been given the gift of time. For you see, I'm not fighting anybody or anything. Now I can carry the message as it's intended. And it says we have to. Oh, sweetheart, yeah, those words are quite correct. But I will tell you, I want to. I love to. As Dr. Bob says, it is a pleasure. And with that, I thank you, Melanie, for the gift of time. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And thank you to everyone who shared today. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Hoodie please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Melanie. This is Hoodie, Recover Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, thank you, and I 